0: Do you think about making dynasty trades even while watching football games? Are you thinking of player values when you should be thinking of family values? Then you may have a trading problem. Don't worry, you're not alone. I am Dynasty Outhouse and I have a trading problem. And I'm Brian Haar and I also have a trading problem. Join us for the Trade Addicts
1: podcast where you can be with like-minded people and talk about everything in the NFL in the context of dynasty trade values.
0: News and notes, make amends, keep trade buys, all these things we will cover every week. And don't forget Trade Addicts trades. So when you're done listening to this fine DLF family podcast, please Please tune in to the Trade Addicts Podcast. Thank you and enjoy your podcast.
1: From DynastyLeagueFootball.com and the DLF family of podcasts, that's James the Brain!
2: Guys, when I retire from this podcast, I want it leaked like by Adam Schefter, kinda of like the whole Andrew Luck thing. I want to have it leaked during an episode. So I have to like awkwardly tell you guys. What do you think?
1: So you. <laughs> throughout the rest of the episode. I just can't
2: take the mental anguish. See? It's you're adding to it already, folks. Thanks. <laughs> That's stompy Sam Lane.
3: Did you know you could Stop a Hurricane with a Nuclear Bomb.
1: That's the, Man, you, you must be running out of those, because uh, that one just came up this week. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and it, I, the reason I brought it up
3: is because it's the craziest thing I've ever heard. And I'm pretty <laughs> sure it's the plot to Sharknado. So.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's Shep Brian Haar. Yes, I love that. That's the big Irish, John McLinn. Guys, a big day for me.
4: Uh, I used to be addicted to the hokey pokey, but thankfully, last week or so, I turned myself around.
3: You know, I'm I'm gonna I'm just gonna do a sa- the way the sausage is made. We heard that before the podcast started, and I still find that hilarious. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's, <laughs> like, yeah. it's
1: like a fine wine; only gets better with age that's the scott fish voiced doppelganger ethan turner
5: hey what's going on guys did you know that the strongest muscle in your body is actually your jaw um and that's especially true for stompy
1: (laughs) amen i am john triple digits hogue and this is a super flex super show Welcome back, super friends, and welcome back, NFL. That's right, baby. Football is back. We've got <laughs> we've got some we've got some light prep work to do for Week One of the NFL season. Uh, including some sneaky starts and players to avoid in week one, some injury discussion with Dr. Ethan, and we even have some next week, this week, waiver ads for you to pick up now before they become hot waiver ads following week one. But first, special announcement time. We have two new co-hosts to welcome to the super team. So besides myself, James and Stompy, Early last week, we announced the addition of Brian Haar. Late last week, we announced the addition of Ryan Miller. And now, we're filling our lineup with two more first-round picks. Say hello to the newest members of the Super Show, John McGlynn and Ethan Turner. Boys, did it feel as good for you to hear that as it felt for me to say that?
4: That's never going to get old.
1: (laughs) I have to introduce you as a new host every week. (laughs) Every week. Every I week. want
5: that much enthusiasm on like in like week ten.
3: Nice. I'm I'm already He's sick. i have <laughs> Ethan. Still the record
5: show. he has not left us yet. That's how much enthusiasm I need.
1: <laughs> nice. Well, yeah. So that that completes the lineup for us, by the way, and uh, just in time for the NFL season, so that we can roll out our brand new format. Super excited about this. Five episodes a week. That's right, five. We've got a waiver show for you. We're going to have two start-sit shows for you so that we can hit all of the NFL schedule every single week. We're going to have a live show every week, and then we'll have our normal long-form podcast just like we've been doing for 100 episodes now. So it it just feels fitting to hit episode 100 and announce the huge change to the Superflex Super Show and uh, in our effort to... Uh, to help you with all of your roster management and lineup settings, both in season and in the, and through the non-point scoring season. So we got to get to know the boys real quick. Whoa,
2: whoa, 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 whoa. Real quick, John, we're Uh-oh. we're going to five episodes a week. Five. five? Yes. We didn't talk about this, man. We did not discuss five. That's right. That's right. And uh, oh, man.
1: yeah. And uh, I mean, you're getting paid the exact same. Uh, for one episode is for five just so just so we're clear
2: no we need a new collective marketing <laughs> agreement gentlemen because this is not gonna fly we're not gonna we're not gonna podcast more podcasts and get paid the same amount like you have no leverage ready. anymore we, we need we, to prorate something come
1: on now you you missed your shot you have no leverage here we've got brian we've got ethan we've got john McGlynn. we've got ryan miller most of the time yeah well and, wait till
2: we all start a union then what hoag then yeah. what yeah. Y- yes. In the meantime, yeah. five episodes a week, man, that sounds awesome. I'm sorry to interrupt John. I just I'm I'm excited for it. That's gonna be cool. All right. Yeah, no, you're good, man. Yeah, it's a it's a huge change.
1: Uh, we're super excited about this. But I mean, honestly, the only way we were gonna pull this off is with plenty of help from our friends. So uh, we brought in some big names to uh, to help with this. So uh, yeah, that's gonna be the plan. I, even in the off season, we're doing multiple episodes a week, so we're gonna keep everybody busy and uh, keep those podcast queued up, uh, queues completely stocked with Super Show episodes. The more the merrier, Super Show. That's right. That's right. So let's yeah, let's get to know the guys. So the first thing I want to do, and uh, we'll start with you, John McGlynn. But let's uh do the the age old team-building exercise known as Two Truths and a Lie. Well,
4: I got three here. You guys can figure out which one's which or tell me which one's on my lie. But uh, My first fantasy football league was a touchdown-only league. and started in 1997. That's one. Number two, I commissioned nine fantasy football leagues. Two. And three, I hate future draft picks. 2020 picks means absolutely nothing to me.
1: I seriously doubt that it's number three. I want to say it's one.
2: Hmm. Yeah, I I don't know about that, man. I'm going to say it's two.
1: Yeah, maybe he commissions more than just nine.
5: Yeah, I feel like that number is really specific. Like, he could be like, nope, just kidding. (laughs) I commissioned 10. It's actually 10. (laughs) (laughs) Joke's on you. So I'm going to go with number two as well. I don't think that's true. I think you commissioned either more or less than that.
4: Uh, that's the number nine. Uh, number th- the third one. I hate future draft picks. Twenty twenty means nothing to me. I uh, usually in most of my leagues. I try to gather as many picks as I can.
3: So
2: oh, okay. Well, I don't he's like the, it. I don't like
1: the, it at all.
3: The John, the Johns. Uh, yeah, we're we're the pretty Johns pretty are very hard offensive. on that one.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But but I mean, we're gonna we're gonna get caught back up here. We'll we'll get realigned here in a few minutes. Uh, but first let's, uh, let's play two truths in a lie, Ethan.
5: All right. So, um, the first one here, I once lost a fantasy football championship by 0. 0.8 points. Second one, my first fantasy football league had a hundred dollar buy-in and I won the league. And the third one is that I lost a survivor league on the Cody Parkey double doink in the playoffs last year. I went 17 straight weeks with a win and lost on the double doink
0: i'm gonna go with number two here
3: yeah i I have to agree i don't the 0.8 points is too specific for it to be not true
4: (laughs) yeah i'm gonna go with number two also
3: i also sense a hint of bitterness
2: (laughs) (laughs) i think i'm gonna go with the third option man um Get, boy, seventeen to zero, and then not using the Bears, who had a great season last year, that's tough, man. So I, I'm gonna say that uh, that that's the one I'm gonna go with as false.
1: Yeah, I'm going with number three as well.
5: Yeah, you you all lost. Everyone lost. It's oh, The no. first one, I lost wow. my I lost a fantasy football championship by fifty eight points one time. <laughs> oh. It was pretty oh. rough. Wow. <laughs> uh, point eight. I've never lost by point eight. Fifty eight points. Um, and it wasn't even like a super flex league. I just got absolutely smoked, uh, in a regular one quarterback league, but I did the first fantasy, uh, football league I was ever in. My dad called me while I was at school in college and, and said, Hey man, uh, I, I joined this fantasy football league Can you you draft for me? And I said, okay, that's fine. Uh, I don't know anything about fantasy football. And so I was drafting from my computer at a night class And I found out after we had won later that it had a hundred dollar buy-in. And then I got really excited about fantasy football, but yes, that was my first, my first fantasy football league had a hundred dollar buy-in. I just didn't know about it. And I did lose a survivor league last year on the double doink. I was pretty devastated. It cost me and my buddy about a thousand bucks. Uh, so we were pretty, pretty upset about that, but we went 17 to zero. uh, in a in a group survivor league that we have with a bunch of the people he works with and we lost the tie break on the double doink. So that will I was also present for the four the four goalpost hit last year as well. I was there in the stadium for that one. So you're the you're the problem. It was destiny that I was going to lose on that.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Wow that then now that's a that's that's pretty cool, man. I did not know losing by 58 is I, I think that's an easier pill to swallow than losing by 0. 0.8, though. What do you guys think?
1: Oh, agreed. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely it right. is. I
2: once won a uh,
3: championship by 0. 0.3 points. Want to guess which one that was? Is <laughs> the whole time
0: we're sitting here talking about that? That's the only thing I could think about. Is Stompy's gonna bring up <laughs> yeah. the fishbowl because he <laughs> won? I mean, I, I knew that was a scenario. <laughs> yep.
1: And you, you <laughs> served it up to him you on a silver
0: it. frickin' platter. <laughs>
3: you got it, boys. That was fun. Yeah,
1: he was going to sneak that in somehow. But uh, just like Brian hart is going to mention Penn State and Saquon Barkley, at some point in this show, it will happen.
2: It's it's over under a three, what do you guys think?
1: Ooh, Yeah, got to bet the over.
0: Uh, you, guys can, under. you guys can direct message me uh, to influence this. <laughs> with your with your with your
1: offers <laughs> all right, next question for you, McGlynn. Uh, who is the most the most owned quarterback in superflex um across all your superflex leagues, and if it's not a quarterback uh who's the most owned player?
4: uh you know what? it is quarterbacks i I'm in a lot of superflex leagues and two quarterback leagues, and unfortunately. Um, most people would say unfortunately. I have Jameis Winston, Marcus Mariota, Josh Allen, and Sam Darnold on almost every one of them. I think there's only two that I don't have all four of them on. So that's uh it's kind of a sickness.
3: I'm seeing a lot of trash right there. Uh specifically Marcus Mariota. You're gonna um,
1: you're gonna single out Mariota over Jameis Winston and Josh Allen. Yep. Yeah, just to because, start this show right yeah. where we left off last week. Yes,
3: because <laughs> guess what? I have more confidence in Winston and Josh Allen keeping their jobs than I do Mariota. Oh, come
1: on! Yeah, with that. Yeah,
2: uh, I, here's the one thing I will say, McLean. It is very good that you don't hate future picks because you're going to be spending them on quarterbacks. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that's the good thing is that if you load it up on those future picks, bud, you're you're going to be okay because you're going to need to use them at quarterback.
4: These are all young,
2: talented. No, no, don't. I don't want to hear talented. Young, sure, talented. I mean, I think Mariota can sit on the bench with the best of them. I think Winston's going to prove that he can do that really well too. Um, Josh Allen, I mean, yeah, I, I think he'll be good for the six to seven games he's healthy every year. Um, and, and Sam Darnold, man, I like, I actually like him. So I think, I think you got one quarterback out of this group. So the, go the good ahead. thing
4: is I used to be in two quarterback leagues for about 15 years and this is super flex. So I only have to play one in case the rest of them do suck. So if, if Sam Darnold can lead me to the promised land for a couple of years while I got, uh, better players in my, in my super flex position, uh, I'll be okay.
2: Now McLean, you're a you're a Dolphins fan, uh, a Bears and a Dolphins fan kind of. You are correct. Right? I
4: do have Rosen on a bunch of a bunch of teams. Well, but I will not. I'm not taking Trubisky.
2: Well, here's the thing. Here's the thing, though, McLean. I will mute you you I will, you, mute you, you you <laughs> I will mute you. You, you. I have that ability. Okay. I just let me say this. You are just like the Dolphins. You're both tanking for Tua. <laughs> See, that's a good thing. You okay. can get Tua when he's a Dolphin, and you know I. How much think that hurts? Would be fantastic.
1: I thought you were going to bring up <laughs> Tannehill. So. Uh, I'm I'm fine with that. I. Right, say so he's
3: going to be. He will be the starting QB for the Tennessee Titans at the end of the season.
1: Tannehill or two.
4: Yeah. No, Tannehill. Mariota's doing so much better in practice every day than than Tannehill is. It's, I know. It's not even it's, close. It's not
1: even a competition. Like they're not even. He doesn't even haven't he actually even,
4: even been competing it's because because in preseason Tannehill threw a couple completions. Everybody's going nuts and calling it. Nobody's got anything to write about right now because nothing big's happening in the NFL. So they make it. They make up stories. Mariota's killing it, in pre- and he's killing it this year.
2: I'm actually <laughs> – thank you. I'm happy. I am happy that Mariota is starting the season as as the starting quarterback for the Titans because they play Cleveland week one, and I guarantee you after week one, they're going to be already rumors flying that Tannehill's coming in because that defense is going to
3: – I will put a tater bet up right now. He does not
2: finish top 20. <sighs> um, I'll take that bet. There you right. go. Show right. one. Make a name for yourself. All right, McLean.
1: <laughs> that a boy. That a boy. Yeah. Um, how about this? Marcus Mariota has just as much of a ceiling as Lamar Jackson.
2: Dude, I like <laughs> now no, right? no, you're trolling. So it's not that's that's ridiculous. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. That's that has been my entire off season with you guys, by the way. So yeah, yeah, it's my turn. Except uh, we're
3: not trolling because Mariota sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Who's going have more rushing yards? says, the, says
1: the absolute troll. Anyways, we got to move on here. <laughs> Ethan, uh, tell us your most owned quarterback or quarterbacks in Superflex leagues. Yeah, put
3: Ethan on the spot as he's jacking with his mic. Yeah, my freaking boom mic is just like falling <laughs> on me right now. Oh my now. gosh, we're going to have to call the doctor
5: here in a minute. <laughs> <It's unbelievable>. Falling <laughs> down. We'll be a bad Really <laughs> falling down mid midstream. I'm kind of upset about it. But uh, most owned quarterback and Superflex. Um, I'm a big Matt Stafford fan. I've always felt like he's underappreciated for what he does as a QB2. I think he's the QB2 on pretty much every Superflex team that I have. Uh, The other guy that I have a lot of is Dak Prescott. I tend to gravitate towards quarterbacks that continue to produce like QB1s or high-end QB2s every year, despite the fact that no one drafts them that way. So those are my two guys. And then I, I have a lot of Justice Hill, DeAndre Hopkins. I was really high on Juju coming out of college and OJ Howard as well. So, But as far as quarterbacks go, Stafford, Prescott.
1: Man, those that's are good awesome. ones. That's that's a hell of a pairing too in Superflex. Yeah, like especially if you kind of wait on quarterback a little bit and then and then get those guys to be your your one two.
4: Stafford's right. in for a lot better year than he had last year. So I, it's everybody's built yeah, right. on him for his stats last year. He's on a he's a big comeback candidate.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think so too. All right, so yeah, we're gonna hear a lot more from these guys uh, as we go on here. So. Um, we'll uh, we'll get on with the show a little bit here. But so the first thing that I think that we have to talk about this being a quarterback centric podcast, and uh, I think I want to start with Brian Haar on this one, but uh, get as many thoughts on this as we possibly can. The hell are you doing on a, with a super flex team that had Andrew luck? How are you going to bounce back from that? That was totally unexpected Wish the guy all the best, but he he left a lot of super flex teams in pretty bad shape here. So let's come up with some strategies, boys. What are we doing?
0: Yeah, so I mean, I think first and foremost for me, you know, this is I mean, it's devastating news. I mean, as a football fan, right? I mean, watching Andrew Luck play football is pretty fun to do uh, when he's healthy. He hasn't been. Uh, very often here in the last couple of years but i mean even last year when he was banged up he's just an elite talent um so it's it's such a shame uh that that he feels like this is his only option now i'm happy for him uh you know in that decision and good for him for making what he feels is the best decision for himself and his family um as far as strategies on dynasty rosters goes um i mean me personally i have i have had have several shares of Andrew Luck across my leagues. Um, And I would say in about 70% of those cases, I have Brissett already. So um, I I just, you know, over the last couple of years, you know, when he missed the full season, it was just kind of like an automatic. And then I just kind of held on to him. So if you're lucky and you had him before the announcement, good job, (laughs) way to go. Uh, If you didn't, you know, I think, um, I mean, I think it's worth taking a flyer on, on Chad Kelly. Um, You know, he, he may end up, you know, he, he's a talented player. I think, I, I I think he just situationally uh, hasn't, hasn't put himself in the, in the best positions uh, to succeed, but I think he's talented and I think he'll have an opportunity. You know, Brissett's all right. He's not, he's not great. He's not horrible. He's just kind of meh. So, you know, if Chad Kelly can show that he has the tools and he has the, uh, the ability to be a leader on the field, uh, and stay out of trouble, you know, he's a guy that might get a shot, uh, in that offense. Um, and they have weapons. I mean, they have, you know, they have Hilton, they have Campbell, they have Mack out of the backfield, Ebron, um, you know, so it's not an offense that lacks talent, um, it, it, except now at the quarterback position, there's a little, you know, obviously a, a big, big question mark with, with Andrew Luck retiring. So we'll just have to see how this kind of shakes out. Um, you know, but I, I do think Chad Kelly's worth a flyer, um, you know, for those owners that are kind of stuck in super flex leagues, because there's not really, there's not really anybody out there that you're, that you're grabbing, uh, unless you're making a significant deal, um, for a quarterback. So, uh, you know, I, I would I would take a flyer on Kelly. I think that's the, the best approach in the short term. And long term, maybe try to acquire a quarterback too. Um, you know, you're not gonna replace luck, but if you can kind of maintain uh status quo, you'll uh you know, give yourself a shot at it anyway. But yeah, it's tough news for sure.
1: So do we how how many Jacoby Brissett believers do we have in this panel of six? Not it. Not it.
3: I would rather have Kelly.
1: Yeah.
4: I got three questions mm-hmm. about this. Uh, first of all, our most my league is not – he's not IR eligible for my league. So he'd, if you want to hold on to him, you'd have to hold a, sit a whole year for him to possibly even come back because he can't come back this year uh, at all. But uh, what would you trade if you thought – because Andrew Luck got to keep the $25 million bonus. I think he's coming back next year. I think he, he doesn't want to stay on the sidelines with a bad foot. He's going to sit home or go home or travel around the world with his family, with a boot on, take his time, spend the whole year rehab, and get his body in perfect shape, and then come back next year as a Colt and come back in season uh, as a Colt. He didn't want to, like I said, he didn't want to stay on the sidelines and, and, and be the, the drama for the whole team. Uh, so – it, what would you trade for Andrew Luck? Because Ryan McDowell puts something on uh, Twitter the other day saying there was was a third round pick or a fourth round pick acceptable. Would you waste it? Would you trade a fourth round pick if you could not put him on the IR to keep him on your on your bench the entire year? I would.
3: I would. I would go up to a third. I mean, I love next year's class, but I just when you get into the third and fourth rounds, it's like you're you're taking super flyers, and you may as well take a flyer on an a superstar quarterback who may may come back healthy next year. A
4: top five quarterback that's only 30 years old? Absolutely. I would, too.
2: Yeah, and I think if if you have four rounds of rookie drafts, you probably have a pretty deep bench because that, to me, plays a huge role in whether or not I could keep luck on my bench for for an entire year. Um, So if you have deep benches, you know, then, yeah, absolutely. I agree with Stompy. I'd, I'd go up to a third.
5: Yeah, I'd be okay with a third as well. Um, I wouldn't go anything much. I wouldn't be adding much to that uh, if the guy is – to me, I think there's about a 50-50 shot right now. Um, Luck doesn't seem like the type of guy. He seems like he's pretty intelligent, and I don't feel like he would be the type of guy to kind of string the Colts along and string uh, just his family along with, is he going to play, is he not going to play? I do think that he could still come back, I think that what he's dealing with right now is just he's had a rough four years. I mean, basically, he's been hurt or been playing hurt since 2016. And I know he had a good year last year, but I don't think any NFL player is ever 100% healthy at any point in time during the year. They will all tell you that they play at less than 100%. So who knows? This calf injury has been bothering him since April. That was the first early reports. And right. it could have been bothering him last year, and we just didn't know about it. Um, so I feel like when you're when you're dealing with somebody that's been hurt as much as he has been hurt, and I'm not talking just physically hurt, just emotionally, mentally drained for the last three years. I don't blame him. <laughs> he's a millionaire and he's in his 20s. If I was a millionaire uh, and I didn't have to get my head bashed in by 350 pound dudes all year, I probably would consider it as well. I think I think this just to me, Locke's situation goes back to what I say a lot with NFL injuries. And it's that too often fantasy football guys and the media and really just the general public look at an injury as, well, how long is he going to be out for right now? And I don't think we look enough about, okay, yeah, he just this guy just uh tore his shoulder up. How many years did we just take off the end of his career? What could have been a 20-year career is now a 15-year career is now a 12-year career. And yes, we are worried about when they will come back. And a lot of times that's the only number we think about. We don't think about, okay, how has this shortened his long, the end of his career? And I think that luck is like the prime example of, dude, the guy's just been hurt over and over and over and over again too much. We were looking for, well, when's he going to come back? When's he going to come back? When's he going to come back? We weren't thinking, how long is he going to stay back? So if he never comes back, I think it's a shame because I like watching Andrew Luck play football. Uh, But I don't blame him personally. Uh, I would not be booing him as he walks off the field because that dude took some serious punishment into into his early 20s that he will feel probably for the rest of his life. So I don't blame any anybody with that kind of money and that's in that position for doing what he thinks is best for his family and, and, and his own life and health. 100% right.
0: Yeah, I mean, if Colts fans want to be mad at somebody, get mad at Ryan Grigson. Because you draft Andrew Luck, and then you put him out there with like, you know, just a just horrible offensive lines. I mean, they didn't get serious about protecting him until he was already so banged up that, you know, he he dealt with multiple serious injuries. So, you know, I mean, yeah, that that whole thing was ridiculous too. Um, and and obviously we're we're kind of getting away from from the football part of that, but um, yeah, that whole situation was just ridiculous. I mean, I for, just feel like
4: there's a. I feel like there's a backdoor handshake. Said, "Hey, keep twenty five million dollars, get yourself healthy, and then next year we'll talk again." That's just the way I feel.
1: Yeah, so let's get to let's get back to Jacoby Brissett, uh, just for the you know for the sake of twenty nineteen and you know people trying to figure out what to do here now that they've lost Andrew Luck. So I guess my question would be. Uh, What's the most that you guys are gonna are willing to pay in fab? Because I mean, I think that Brissett is probably on a lot of people's waivers. You know, there there are definitely some situations like Brian said, where you know, you picked up Brissett two years ago as kind of the the replacement for luck, and then just kind of held on to him as the handcuff. But I think that there are still a lot of leagues where he's available. So what are you guys willing to throw out in fab to get Jacoby Brissett?
3: I think right now it's got to be at least 50% because in super flex leagues, I mean, and we talk about it constantly, especially with John Hogan, this podcast and his five plus starting quarterbacks coming, coming out of startups, but he's a starting quarterback in the NFL. And this is why
1: I do it by the way. Yeah,
3: (laughs) I get it. Um, but, yeah, I, and, and by the way, that, that's biting me in the ass because I'm in a startup right now where I did take Andrew Luck. And I just, for some reason, I was trying to push the envelope, not picking jo- Jacoby Brissett until later, and then I just completely forgot about it. And uh, not It was just not, not a great idea. But, um, yeah, I mean, he's a starting quarterback in the NFL. Uh, I I just told somebody – yesterday that they should put 40% down on Daniel Jones who was dropped um, mm. in a super flex league because the guy is bound to be a starter and Jacoby Brissett is a starter so I think 50% is minimum I mean I would not bat an eye if somebody did 75 plus percent to get a starting quarterback in a super flex league
4: yeah but is a starter Jacoby Bissette or Chad Kelly
3: Oh, it's I mean, definitely right, Jacoby Brissett at right, right now. Right I now. Mean, but you – so that's like if if Case Keenum was dropped today, I, I would say the same thing. I would say put at least 50% down because he is the starter right now. You have no idea what's going to happen into the future. Okay. Um, Fair enough. But for right now, he is a starting quarterback, and starting quarterbacks are valuable. And let's just say Jacoby Brissett gets really hot um, and let's say in the first four games, he's the, a top five QB. I mean, it's a four instance. I don't think it will happen, but for instance, you could probably trade him away for, and this is for John Hogue, somebody like Mariota Plus, <laughs> which I don't think he's going what? to. Hold on. He, I don't think he's going to be a starter all season, but if you, like John Hogue, thought he would be the starter for the entire season, then you could would feel comfortable doing that, right?
1: Mariota plus for Brissette.
3: If he started out as like a top five QB in like the first four weeks and somebody got was like, well, I need, no, I wouldn't be
5: trading a top five quarterback for Mariota. <laughs> I would well, just ride was- <laughs> it until he was dead.
3: <laughs> sorry, well, well, yes, that was the best, but not that I'm wasn't sorry, the point. Man. That wasn't the point.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, so the man. point if, the if point, he's, the, th- he's a if top, he's a top quarterback
5: th- in the first four weeks. You can't miss th- out on if, th- pers- there, on is any, if is there is
1: Mariota. If there is any karma in the in the entire universe. Your, your, uh, your mic stand is going to melt again for that. One.
3: <laughs> <laughs> the point, the point of this was though, if you don't believe Brissett's going to be the starter for the entire season and you can find a quarterback that maybe struggles the first quarter of the season and somebody needs help at the quarterback position and you can sell them for that quarterback plus, I would be doing that in a heartbeat. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah. It it I, does. I I man, I, so I would be looking what, for
5: a prospect that has long-term upside over. Well, that's fine, but I mean there. let's let's I'm say not that saying, like you can like Mariota, but I'm just saying, like, I would rather try okay, to I, the hot guy. Now I need to change turn.
3: the quarterback that we're talking about because we're stuck on this Mariota thing. Yeah, sucks, was, I get it. I mean,
5: would you trade Brissette for, I mean, like a, one of the rookies from this year? Like, if the guy that owns Dwayne Haskins was like, yeah, hey, no, I mean, that, Dwayne that's a, good point. And a second for Kobe yeah. right now. Like, I feel like I would do that.
3: Yes. Right. Because um, because yep. that's something where it's you, you think that, and, and probably most people think that um Dwayne Haskins will be the starter even this season going into the future whereas we don't know I mean if you don't feel Brissett is good enough to maintain the starting quarterback position for the Colts you want to get rid of that guy and sell high and get somebody like yes like Haskins I would agree with that
1: yeah that one makes way more sense just because the economics just work out a little bit better on both sides. Uh, it's just because
3: better. you believe in Mariota more. Well, shut but, up,
1: John. <laughs> but a lot of people do. It, it, I mean, me, just, just you two, kind of John McGlynn, It sounds like the Mariota household. There's a handful of people who
2: still believe <laughs> there is actually his value is actually it's to the right market. His value is actually there, which all the, four. All four ha- of us. That
3: was such like a like a. <laughs> like an under underhanded joke like nobody i mean that that was a great joke by by john Hogue <laughs> right there oh yeah the mariota <laughs> family oh <laughs> yeah. okay. i assume
1: i assume they still believe in it <laughs> i i guess i can't speak for them but um and and dynasty outhouse j mike and peter howard they all still believe as well so there's there's a contingency out there that's all i'm saying Um, uh, all right but So is everyone kind of in agreement that 75% is probably what it takes to actually get Brissette or do you think it's closer to an all-in push?
4: It's a little high for me. Uh, I wouldn't, I don't think I'd pay 75%. I'd probably go half my fab, especially this early. Um, But I did try trading four different leagues for a third round, four dynasty leagues. I tried trading a third round pick uh, in 2020 and I got denied in all four cases. So, There's, I mean, people obviously, people uh, over or value Jacoby Bissett a little more than I do.
5: I think I have a hard time giving a percentage. I think it has to be probably 50 at a minimum, but I would be looking around my league to see who did the the guy who owned Luck just lose Luck and now he has, you know, maybe he has Marcus Mariota as his QB2 Uh, to play a joke. But what I'm saying is, he has a lower end QB2. That guy's probably gonna push. He's probably gonna be in a position where he needs to push closer to that all-in to get a second quarterback to even compete this year. Uh, I don't think that I like. If I already had two quarterbacks, I don't think I would be paying more than fifty. I'd put a bid in. You got to put a bid in because yeah. Jacoby Brissett. Even if we, even if I think he's a you know a, a pretty subpar NFL quarterback, I mean we've seen him add some rushing upside and those kinds of guys, he does have better weapons than what he did when he was starting 15 games in 2017. So there's a chance that he has a little bit more upside than what, even what he put up when he was the start of the last time. So I, I think you gotta put in a 50% bid and if you win, that's great. Um, but if somebody else needs him more, you just gotta look at your situation and go and realize, okay, he's gonna be a starting quarterback at least for to start the season. And I think that that's worth at least 50% to me.
2: Yeah, I I think it depends. I mean, if you're the luck owner, right? I mean, this happened at the worst possible time. Like there's nowhere else to get a quarterback. So what are you going to do? Like you have to pretty much bid about 75%, I think. I think that's what it's going to take to win them because uh, you're desperate. You're relying on Andrew Luck this year. You you need someone. And where else are you going to find a quarterback? Everyone's going to look and see that you had Andrew Luck. And like John says, if you grab four or five quarterbacks, John Hogue, when you when you say they're cheapest in the startup, this is what you're talking about. Because when you go to that owner and say, hey, uh, I need to trade for a quarterback, and they look and see you were relying on Andrew Luck and you don't really have a backup plan, yeah, absolutely. They're going to rake you over the coals for it. So to me, 75% of my fab is is what I'm willing to pay. And that's probably what it's going to take to win them. I mean, we might say that we can put in a, a bid for 50%. And that's fine if that's what you feel comfortable paying for them. But I think in most leagues, it's probably going to take at least 75% to win that bid and to get them on your roster.
1: Yeah, that sounds about right. So what about Chad Kelly? So I, I, it sounds like we've got at least a few believers in here that at some point Chad Kelly takes over that role. If it, it, you know, regardless of, of what you think is actually going to happen, if if you feel like Chad Kelly is, is the best quarterback on that roster and has it, at least a chance to at some point in 2019 take over that job, what are you going to, what are you, how much are you putting in fab right now for Chad Kelly? Max. How, how much are you willing to pay and what do you think it's going to take to actually get him? Max
3: 20%. I honestly think it only takes five to 10% just quietly because if you're in a startup, sure, I'm sure, and, and I've seen it, people are taking him, but It's like in a 20th round. Like, I just don't think people are, I I think people are on the Jacoby Brissett train and just don't understand how good Chad Kelly was coming in in college and coming out. And if it wasn't for some stupid stuff, his name, I, I think he would have been the next starting quarterback for the Broncos. And so I think either people are dismissing him because of his past or they just don't know him well because he was a seventh rounder right so
1: was he mr
3: irrelevant Irrelevant, right Mm -hmm. so like people just don't know who he is so i would imagine five percent is probably ten percent is probably the max but i'd probably be willing to put five percent in right now uh just to get him
2: i think the later you wait the higher the percentage is going to be um just because i think News is going to. I mean, everyone's kind of covering this, right? And so I think eventually news is going to come out that hey, look, Jack Kelly's the guy that you want. And I think once that once that news spreads, it's going to be higher and higher. But I think Stompy's right. I think probably doesn't take much right now. Five, ten percent is probably what it takes to get him on your roster. And I think in the long run, uh, that's probably a good thing. I Jacoby percent man. Uh, I, the, apparently the locker room buys into him, but I don't know. I, I don't know if you guys follow him on Twitter at all. But uh, he is—he is. He is um, I would say he is probably the opposite of Andrew Luck when it comes to um, uh, how do I want to say this book smarts. <laughs> Let's just say uh, he he, <laughs> he questions some things that I don't think most question, um, like is the Earth round and uh, so on and so forth. So I I uh, apparently the locker room buys into him, but um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know that. Uh, that he's gonna be the long term answer there. I don't I don't have a lot of uh I don't have a lot of faith of him figuring out defenses long term, let's just put it that way.
0: So for your listening pleasure, uh I just looked up Joe Kobe Brissett. I do not follow him on Twitter, but I just looked this up at James uh little elbow nudge there. Uh these are the last three Twitter posts from him. Um these are great prior to training camp uh so um what's the other side of a black hole what's on the other side of a black hole uh lightning never strikes in the same place twice how does lightning know where it has struck who created the phrase and man who coined the saying a dog's mouth is cleaner than a human <laughs> how'd they come up with this information <laughs> so james is very accurate with his um at least the entertainment value of uh Jacoby Brissett's Twitter
2: account. Yeah, yeah. My favorite is why do we use toothbrushes more than once if they get dirty after the first use? So that that's one of my favorites right there too. So, yeah, he's he's got some gems. Um, and they're they're he's he's an interesting follow. I mean, I'm not gonna lie, I follow the dude. So, um, but yeah, it's uh, it, it there's there's um. I don't know. Make of that what you will, I guess. I don't know if that means anything, but uh, but it's definitely interesting at the very least.
4: You know, I think he just thought he was going to be walking around carrying a clipboard for a nice couple of years and just standing behind Andrew Luck, living the good life. Kind of, this is what he did to waste his time. Like, yeah, I'm on the Colts. Uh, I'm still relevant. So I'm going to make some stupid, uh, you know, funny whatever they are on Twitter. I, you know, I I don't think he's, you know, an idiot for that or anything like that. I think he's just having a good time on Twitter.
2: I hope so, man. I I hope you're right. I hope. Listen,
3: Jalen Richard is an anti vaxxer. So, not everybody is common sense intelligent (laughs) in the NFL. Let's be realistic here.
1: Is that true? It's very true. There's a handful of flat earthers as well. Yeah. Although, are there any in this panel? I guess maybe that should have been one of our getting to know you yeah that that should have you. been
3: because that would have been an eliminator question i would have been no yeah, not, I, not I, dude this guy's that, gone get
1: it yeah that,
2: him. that, <laughs> That's that should have asked before we introduce them as a co-host john <laughs> <laughs> What's going
1: on? yeah we're doing things backwards on this super show but i'm not uh, a flat earther i'm hoping it's gonna work out for us here um all right so we need to move on real quick to uh and and we're gonna get through this one a lot faster Uh, poor Lamar Miller. He's kind of the afterthought from, from uh, last weekend. um, And uh, he's going to be a little bit of an afterthought here, but I mean, the guy tore his ACL. He was sitting on a very good year. I think uh, on a very good offense offensive line is still a little suspect, but I mean, they just didn't really have a whole lot else as far as a kind of a workhorse type of running back. Now the torn ACL he'll miss the entire season right now it looks like Duke Johnson is going to be the feature back going into camp. Although there's going to be some guys hitting the waiver wires uh, once NFL teams cut down to 53 for their final uh, regular season rosters. And then uh, there's also some guys who uh, Ajayi, in particular, uh, who's still out there available right now. And then there's some guys obviously for trade as well. So, Um, one name that keeps getting thrown around quite a bit is Kenyon Drake. Uh, I mean, there's some kind of pie in the sky type of possibilities like, uh, Melvin Gordon. Um, but I, I'm curious, just kind of a one word answer here, a two word answer, I suppose, since they have two names, uh, who do you guys think is going to be the back to own in Houston? And let's just go one at a time. Uh, start with Stomp.
3: Well, I mean, it's obviously Duke Johnson. Um, I I've been on Demario Crockett for months now, uh, and I, I I mean, he he had some success at Missouri, some issues with the coaches. Um, I, I've mentioned Matt Waldman on many a podcast. He was a Matt Waldman guy. I mean, not one of his favorites, but a guy that he's definitely mentioned that could uh, develop into a good undrafted free agent. Um, so right now I think for me it's Demaria Crockett taking over that first and second now back roll.
1: Oh, interesting. Ethan.
5: I think it's I think it's Duke Johnson. I don't really think anybody is super close that's on the team right now. Uh there's been some rumors about Kalen Blage, I think that at best he's just a Lamar Miller replacement. I still think Duke is gonna be involved on third downs. Melvin Gordon would obviously be the big, the big get. Uh, I don't see him getting traded though, uh, unless they absolutely are super far away on the contract. So I'm gonna say Duke Johnson. I still, because of the risk of them trading for someone else, I'm not taking him much earlier than like the sixth or seventh round uh, in redraft this year. But I, I still think at that point it, it's gonna be Duke Johnson. He's worth, he's worth spending. Uh, the pick on just in case they do decide that they love him.
1: What do you think, Brian? Yeah, I think it's
0: Duke for me. Um, you know, I I I'm gonna be kind of pissed if Houston brings somebody else in there to to do a timeshare. I mean, for crying out loud, what's Duke Johnson have to do? I mean, I guess grow a couple of inches for <laughs> people you know, don't like short folk or something. I don't, I mean, it's, it's, I want this guy to get an opportunity to show what he can do with a full workload. You know, he was good in Cleveland. He was good. I mean, when he saw the field, he was a productive player on the field. He just didn't carry the ball very much. He catches a lot of passes. He's obviously that, you know, that third down type running back, Um, but he's not a little, I mean, he's short, but he's not that small. I mean, he, he outweighs Christian McCaffrey by 13 pounds or at least prior to this offseason when McCaffrey did whatever he did to get like superman strength um but yeah i, I you know i just i want to see what duke johnson can do i want bill o'brien in that offense to say okay you know we're in a high powered offense let's throw him the ball out of the backfield let's have him you know get him involved in a bunch of different ways and see what the guy can do because i think that if he gets the opportunity to do that he's really going to produce so I'm hoping he gets that chance. I I mean, this is the National Football League, and it just seems like coaches love to kill things that we want to see. So, I, you know, I doubt that that will happen, but um, I would love for it to happen. I would love to see what Duke can do.
4: Uh, what about Elijah McGuire, Kenneth Dixon, LaShawn McCoy? I mean, those are all names kind of thrown around too, but uh, I'm – Really, not against having someone on the team, uh, especially Crockett, take over that, you know, the main early down backs and have Duke Johnson be the pass catcher. I think Duke could handle the work by himself, but uh, I'd like to see this Crockett guy get a shot. He's big enough. He's strong enough. He's fast enough. And um, it, it'll, it'll expand the life of Duke Johnson for a couple of years, too, if they were able to do a one two punch. I, I think Duke could do it, but. Uh, he's, he's mainly better used as a, you know, couple carries uh, and a lot of catches back. That's what I think.
2: Yeah, to me, it's Duke. I I, I think Duke can handle that workload. I agree with what Brian said. I, I'm kind of I, I really would like to see what he can do, given a full workload, or at least given the 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 bell the bell cow share of carries there. Um, I, I I've always been interested to see what he could do over the course of a full season. However. I will say this. I I do expect. I mean, look, the the, the main guys we're talking about with Crockett and with Higdon are, are guys that are were late late round undrafted rookie type guys, and and to ask them to come in and you know carry a a significant workload right away to me is asking a lot. Um, so I don't I don't know that that Houston's going to do that right away. I could see them signing somebody, um, but I don't think it's going to be anybody that's going to cut into. Duke Johnson's workload significantly if it is it, it maybe a Jai is the answer because the guy doesn't have great knees maybe a guy who can have eight to ten carries a game um while Duke Johnson can still get 20 you know 20 touches um because I think with especially with that wide receiving core I mean Duke is such a threat out of the backfield to spread out wide that I mean I think he can be used in that regard too especially when we're talking about you know um uh, you know some of these guys like. Uh, you know, like Will Fuller, like Kiki Kuti, who can't seem to stay healthy anyway. So I think Hugh Johnson can still get a good uh, a good share of that workload, even if they bring somebody in. I just don't think it's going to be a big name. I think Houston. Um, if they're going to bring in a big name, it's going to be next season through the draft or in free agency. Um, they have a lot of money. So, I mean, they can, they can afford to bring somebody in next year, but I think, um, I think earliest that they do that is next year. I think this year they're probably not going to overreact to Lamar Miller getting hurt. So, um, I'm with Brian. I hope that, uh, that Duke Johnson gets every opportunity to see a, uh, a, a full workload to be honest.
4: Yeah. That's such an explosive offense. I think, uh, Duke will do really good. If they, if they do give him all the opportunities, I think he can run with that job.
2: Yeah. Agreed.
1: Nice. So Duke, it is, uh, eh, that's probably easy enough. So let's get to, let's get to some week one prep and, uh, help people start to get ready for the first week of the NFL season here and, uh, set lineups a little bit. I think where we need to start though is with you, Ethan. Um, we're going to start calling this, uh, uh, this segment HIPAA violations and now definitely we're in a gray area. I would say since we don't actually have their charts, but we're going to talk a lot about these guys' uh, injuries, uh, stuff that I'm sure was supposed to remain co- confidential. But we're going to not only are we going to talk about it, we're going to ask you for your expert opinion here. Um, you bring in your superpower to the super show, and uh, we would love to get your opinion first of all on Cam Newton with that throwing shoulder injury um, supposedly you know we're starting to uh, uh, starting to see the deep ball coming back but is this the type of injury that you think is going to linger all season uh, what exactly is going on with the shoulder and how do you think it's going to affect cam Newton both for week one and for the entire 2019 season?
5: With Cam's shoulder, the big thing to note is this is actually his second surgery that he's had. He had a rotator cuff tear a couple years ago that he had surgery for in the offseason. Uh, this year was not a rotator cuff tear. They actually just did a scope where they they basically made a small incision, stuck a camera in there, cleaned it up, and brought the camera back out. Maybe Maybe they fixed something while they were in there, but it's a lot less intense of a rehab and recovery. I think that right now, Cam Newton is getting an injury discount, despite the fact that he's already shown that he's fully cleared to play football. And I think that the shoulder injury, despite the fact that it was a surgery and surgeries are important, you should pay attention when, when players have surgeries, you have to pay attention to what the surgery was for and what they found last, the end of last season, I was telling everyone that would listen and you really didn't even have to be a medical professional to watch Cam Newton and go Hey man, what is wrong with this dude's shoulder? He's look, he looks like a lame duck out there. He's just throwing absolute lollipops up. You can just tell there was no velocity. There was no strength. His range of motion was affected. So you didn't have to know you knew something was wrong. And then they went in with the scope and what they found and all of the reports since then have been basically that there was something wrong, but it wasn't nearly as bad as what they thought they were going to walk into. So you have to pay attention to the news. The news was, yes, he's hurt. Yes, he had a surgery to fix it. It wasn't as bad as we thought it was going to be. So, to me, Cam Newton just screams by, uh, even in dy- even in dynasty superflex leagues, just because I think you're still getting an injury discount because people hear surgery and they immediately think, oh, that's this is this is not good. They, we can't we can't have this guy. He's he's had two sh- shoulder surgeries in the last three years. You know, sell now because he'll never be the same. I still think we could get three to five good years out of Cam Newton. Uh, And I don't, I think he would be someone that if I was going to pay up for a quarterback, uh, Cam Newton would be a a guy that I would be uh, searching for as far as who owns that, who owns Cam and what can I get? What do I have to pay to get him? Because some owners that aren't looking as deep into this uh, may just, may just think that he's got a bum shoulder and he'll never be the same. So, I'm good. I'm good with Cam Newton this year. I, I think, uh, I think he's definitely a, uh, a good value right now.
1: So you're thinking from week one on. I, no, no reservations here in week one.
5: Week one, I'm a little more concerned about this foot injury that he had in the first. Uh, I can't remember if it was the first or second preseason game where he basically planted hard. Second looks like uh, Brian's giving me the big twos. Uh, so second preseason game, he planted. And has a sprain in his foot. He's more likely to miss Week One because of that than he is because of his shoulder. Uh, I do think he's going to play at least. Uh, again, I don't want to say exactly how many games, just because you never know; these guys can get hurt. But I don't think it's going to be something that lingers on throughout the year. I think the shoulder issue was it was an issue. They fixed it. Now it's better. Now he has a new issue, which is the foot. Hopefully, that gets better. All of the reports right now are again they didn't. They thought it was serious at first, and now they're not they're kind of backing off on that opinion. So I think there's a pretty good chance we see him week one. Oh,
1: uh, that's good to hear. So the foot though, I think that we should probably talk a little bit about that just because so much of Cam Newton's productivity comes, you know, through rushing uh, through running the ball. So uh, any, any reservations there? Does that, I mean, do you think that it's going to, to limit his, his ability to run? And I know that he you know, he runs more as kind of a, he's more of a power type of runner than a, than a speed guy. But I, I, is, is it going to stop him from, you know, taking off and running with the ball?
5: I don't think that it will. Uh It could definitely impact how much ground he's able to cover. His speed could be affected. You know, what could have been a 15 yard run. Maybe he cut short at like eight, just because he can't, get as cover as much distance but he's still 65. I mean, it doesn't take much for those big legs to get rolling. So, uh yes, could it affect affect his running in the early part of the season? Absolutely. Will it prevent him from running? Probably not.
0: Well, and I'm not sure John, if you or or Ethan, if you guys saw the injury, um so it I I I mean, I don't have any medical Nothing. Uh, so, so I'm not gonna even touch on that. It looked to me like he saw big dudes running after him, and he was like, "This is week two of the preseason. I'm out. Like, I'm not. This is ridiculous. Like, I've been dealing with injury, kind of same, kind of the same Andrew Luck. Like, I've been dealing with injuries, and I don't feel like getting hit by 350 pound defensive tackles until week one of the regular season. So, I don't know. I mean, obviously, like I said, I, I have no no medical knowledge whatsoever on it i just it it looked to me too like he was just like eh, that kind of didn't feel great and i'm gonna check out for the preseason
5: i can't believe that most of these guys even play in the preseason to be honest with you i think we're very wrapped the more the more millers that you see even with this andrew luck news coming out i think you're gonna see more and more teams just go dude this is not free games are not worth putting these guys at risk. Let's just play these guys that were not paying millions of dollars to succeed in the regular season. Uh, let's just see what they do. I think it's going to be close. I think you're seeing more of it already. You know, you're seeing one or two series at max with some of these guys. And then now you're even seeing, I've noticed more and more reports this off season of players opting not to play on certain fields. Uh, especially brand-new turf fields. I think I've seen three or four different players, pretty prominent names that basically said Dalvin Cook was one of them, where he's like, yeah, I could play in this preseason game, but I'm not going to because that's a brand-new turf field, and I'm not risking it.
4: for an 80-yard so, field in Canada?
5: Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I just think that you're going to see more and more of players of that high-tier caliber just saying, this isn't worth me trying. I need to make my money when games actually matter. I'm not it's not worth getting hurt in the preseason for a scrimmage, basically a glorified scrimmage. So I definitely think you're going to see more and more of that. And I think that with with Cam specifically, I don't know, I would have to again, I'm I'm talking based on medical knowledge and I've watched the same games that you guys do. I don't get to call Cam Newton up and be like, hey, man, are you actually hurt? Are you just kind of, you know, (laughs) wink, wink? Uh, faking oh, stop, this right now. stop
0: being humble he's <laughs> yeah. he's in your speed dial just so wish, you, you can tell i mean cool. I, I know you don't want to get all the calls from the listeners and the fans trying to find out the inside info but i mean you don't have to be so humble
5: <laughs> well matthew barry did start following me on twitter so i'm pretty much a superstar now
1: oh man whoa yeah, that's, that's a pretty big one actually so yeah that's the exact same terrain that dalvin cook left left his acl on uh, two years ago, so uh, kind of stands to reason for him. But speaking of a guy tearing his ACL in the preseason last year, Darius Geis attempting to come back here. Um, where, how comfortable how comfortable do you feel with his rehab? How comfortable do you feel with Darius Geis, just kind of in general this season? And uh, we we've, we've been talking quite a bit this offseason about you know, kind of the hamstring compensatory injuries that seem to come along with the ACL tears. And uh that's that's one that we would love to get your opinion on once and for all, because up until now, it's just been a bunch of dummies just kind of regurgitating something that we heard somewhere. Uh, but now let's get an actual expert opinion on this.
5: So on guys, I'll talk about him. First, specifically, uh guys has kind of had an interesting recovery. Obviously, he had the the ACL tear in the preseason of last year. Normally, when you see a preseason ACL, it's actually better for the year afterwards because they have a full twelve months to recover. So, I would say ACL, you're looking for twelve months to get back to pre-injury production. I don't care about these guys that come back in nine months or eight months or seven months. Uh, the, the, all of the data shows that they don't get back to pre-injury production until they hit 12 months. So despite the fact that he's probably going to, they, most of them come back in nine, if you're not waiting until 12, you're getting a less than 100% guy. Uh, And if they're rushing back to get back in nine, then you're definitely putting them at risk for a compensatory injury because their bodies don't have enough time to accept the new ACL that they've reconstructed in there, solidify it with bone and get back to being able to be hit by 300 pound dudes. So yes, you do see more compensatory injuries with ACLs either on the same side or the opposite side because, and you you see it even more often in these guys that have to rush back to make it back for the next season. So late the guys that I'm talking about, your Will Fuller's of the world, your Cooper Cups of the world, they are much more likely to have one of those compensatory injuries than a guy like Darius Geist. Now, Geist did have infections, and that does play a huge role. He had three extra procedures to clean out infections, and the good news is that they didn't have to reconstruct his ACL again. He didn't have to get another ACL surgery, but they did have to open him back up clean out the infection, fight this infection over and over and over again, which prolonged the time in which he could not recover and rehab. So his recovery got pushed back. So instead of 12 months, he's probably looking more at the nine month mark, what we would expect. So for me, I think they're going to take it easy with him. I think that he could very well be the starter I don't expect them to give him the full workload that a guy of his talent could justify in in, in under normal circumstances. I do think they're going to mix in uh, AP, and I do think that they're going to mix in Chris Thompson. Uh, but that being said, Darius Guys goes right up there on my list of guys in like the sixth, seventh, eighth round that you can get if you decide to go wide receiver early. If I go wide receiver, wide receiver, I am. I am probably paying up to get a guy like Darius Geis because I think he's going to have a few big games that remind people that he used to run for 250-plus yards in college in football games. Like He did that. So from a talent perspective, I'm all in on Darius Geis. From an injury perspective, 2019 is not going to be peak Darius Geis. He's not going to be at 100% of what he could be because of all those factors that I just laid out.
4: Love to hear that.
0: So guys, just a little bit of—I uh, don't know if this is breaking news, but it's like so. I'm—I was just scrolling through some some news notes on on Twitter, and Joe Pearson, who covers the the Carolina Panthers for the Athletic, I believe, um, tweeted that I, I guess in his pre- post game press conference, Ron Rivera said that the trainers had sent Cam Newton home because somebody didn't see him. I guess uh, at some point in the game. Uh, that they sent him home because they didn't want him to be standing on his feet throughout the game. So I don't know if that—I don't know. Maybe maybe there is an actual issue that is, and it, he he wasn't just blowing smoke. I mean, I I don't know. It it doesn't make sense to me. I mean, they normally have benches,
1: but <laughs> <laughs> so I was just thinking like. They can't. They can't find a chair for. The Are you guy? kidding me?
5: Cam Newton He's, should be like getting. He should be on like his own a, throne. He shouldn't even yeah. have we to walk on the sidelines. Are you yeah. kidding? one of those Mercedes golf carts? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing to me. But yes, I do. I mean, that makes sense if if what they've said so far, which is that it's a strain in his foot, uh, you would not want him just standing on it all, all night. So uh, I don't think it really changes my mindset of that. He is probably going to either possibly miss the first game or be back. Um, I still think there's a better chance that he, he plays than not plays at this point in time. But I think it's, again, another precaution just to keep him off his feet. The best thing you can do for a strain or a sprain is just rest it. So I think they're just saying, hey, man, what? again, why are you here at this preseason football game? This game doesn't matter. Go rest your foot. We need you healthy. You're worth $30 million a year to us. Like, What are you doing, you knucklehead? Uh, (laughs) I think that's more of what that is.
1: So let's see. It's that was uh, preseason week two. Here we are in preseason week four, um, as we're recording this, and uh, this will come out, you know, just before the start of the season. So, how long, roughly, do you expect for it to to recover from a strain like that? Uh, it, so, I guess kind of another way to say it is: at what point, if that's what this is, do we get Cam Newton at one hundred percent?
5: I would say it's it's tough to say again because they haven't really released a whole lot of information on it. If it's a mild sprain strain, I would say two to four weeks is usually the recovery timeline for an NFL guy. Uh, that's not going to stop him from playing, but that's like full back to full recovery. Uh, again, feet are hard. Foot injuries are not the easiest thing to rehab because they're really complex, one and two. There's not a whole lot of things that you can actually do do like actively to recover. You know, if you, if you tear your knee up, there's lots of big muscles that you can work out and get stronger and get them back. Uh, with a foot, it's a bunch of little baby muscles that all work together and they either go all once or not really at all. So it's just a really hard part of the body to rehab. So again, I think two to four weeks is probably when you would expect. So he may start the year a little slower than what, what you're hoping for. but again. That's why he's a buy for me right now because I still think that I'm willing to take the risk of a couple bad weeks and then getting a top five quarterback for top 15 price.
1: Nice. All right, one more guy that we need to talk about because here we are a year later, uh over a year since the ACL tear for Jarek McKinnon. And it's looking like he's gonna start the 2019 season. I, what pup list, IR, something like that, Um IR possibly scheduled to return. What what the hell is going on there?
5: Yeah, this is one of those situations where, again, I think too oftentimes we see ACL tear back in nine months and nobody thinks about how actually difficult it is to recover from something like this. Uh, he's had two setbacks now in the last year. Again, they haven't really said what their setbacks are. If they're actually setbacks related to his ACL, or if they're setbacks related to some type of compensatory injury, like a hamstring strain or something like that, uh, he would because he started practicing, uh, he would have to admit have the entire preseason. Um, I think that he'd have to go on the IR if they're going to stash him away. If he's actually that hurt, I don't believe if I'm. If I know the rules correctly, as far as the, the the PUP list, I don't think he would be eligible for the PUP because he had already returned to practice and then suffered a setback. So I think he would have to go onto the IR. And then once he's there, they only get two designated to returns uh, once once the season starts from IR. So would they be willing to use that on a position that they really have some depth at. I mean, last year we saw they had like four different running backs that all were top 24, had top 24 fantasy weeks at some point. So uh, I just don't know if he, he could be someone that they stash an IR and just don't bring him back this year. But uh, again, it's hard to say for sure because they haven't said what the setback was.
4: I thought I saw something where he was, I'm looking it up right now, I'm trying to find it, where he was already on the pups, so he can't return. It had have to be an IR designation. Um, But And I also heard that it was swelling in his knee. It was more swelling in his knee, inflammation of his knee injury. So uh, that's uh, that compiles from the previous setback he had a couple weeks ago with his knee that he just came back from. So that's not a good sign.
5: Yes, and I would be worried that if they can't get the swelling under control that they'll do a scope on him and they'll actually – they'll actually break him open and decide and make sure there's not like a meniscus tear or something else going on in there. So uh, to me, he's he's on my do not draft list. You just stay away from him and you don't even think about it.
3: What's
4: the timeline for a scope
5: scope is, it, it depends on what they actually do once they're in there. If it's a meniscus tear that they've, they fix it's six to eight weeks if it's just like a bone chip or something that they can just remove, it can be as soon as two weeks. So usually four to six is kind of the, the, uh, the standard for a scope for a knee scope for these guys. And that's about the same time as a pop
2: guys. As, as we were uh, talking about this, I thought it was very interesting. Uh, We are recording on Thursday. All the preseason games are being played right now. And Jeff Wilson just ran an amazing looking touchdown run um, for the, for the Niners. Um, they have a lot of depth at that position, like Ethan was saying. So, um, that's just maybe makes them feel even better about not having to bring McKinnon back when you see guys who are what third on the depth chart, uh, with runs like that. Um, so yeah, uh, definitely interesting, something to monitor. Yeah. sounds like
1: they can definitely afford to kind of let him fully recover. So man, this is going to be an awesome resource for us, uh, having Ethan around. Um, to kind of help us out help us kind of navigate the injuries which absolutely are going to pile up as the season goes on and then even in the off season, we can kind of get an idea of what to expect from these guys as they you know recover from their various injuries but we'll move on here so we're going to do a little bit of prep for week one definitely not as in depth as we typically go just because you know you've you've drafted your team they've you know they're not playing right now here in week four of the preseason so you know if they're if they were healthy after week three of the preseason they're healthy now and you're for the most part you're kind of rubber stamp starting guys you're not you know you're not necessarily looking to waivers uh beyond Jacoby Brissett and possibly Chad Kelly Uh, but for the most part you know, rosters are pretty well set so that we don't have to go into nearly as much detail as we normally will. Um, but we do have a few sneaky starts at each position and uh, we'll we'll run through those a little bit. Let's start with Brian Har at the quarterback position. Give us a sneaky start for week one, Brian
0: yeah so my sneaky snart uh,
1: if I could speak tonight uh, my <laughs> we, we might need st- to we might need to name that something different that is a little <laughs> bit tough to say a
2: sneaky snart I like that I think its my sneaky
0: snart uh yeah so my sneaky start uh for week one is Nick Foles against the Kansas City Chiefs um you know I I think I just First of all, I think Nick Foles is going to be a great value um as a as a you know, as a quarterback in superflex leagues. Um you know, and in this particular game, you know, I don't think I think there's going to be a lot of offense in this game, a lot of scoring. Um you know, everybody kind of knows what the Kansas City offense can do. I don't expect that to uh change, you know. Uh I I think they're still one of the most high power offenses in the league. Um and and they're likely going to put up a lot of points. So Nick Foles, Foles is going to have to throw the ball a ton. Um, and I think he'll do it well. And I think he'll do it efficiently. And um, I think you could see a huge week one from Nick Foles against the Chiefs.
4: Kansas City is a funny team where they have a great defense, but they don't have a good defense. They If you're a fantasy team, Kansas City is awesome because they get like five, six sacks. but But they give up. 7,000 yards a game. It's re- how many points they give up and how many everything else, but they do get interceptions. They do get sacks, but they just can't stop. They're, I mean, it's like trying to a bunch of holes in the bottom of a boat. You're trying to plug holes. So they, you know, they, they find a way to get sacks and turnovers and everything else, but they give up 40 points doing it. They're, they're ridiculous.
1: Yeah. They're, they're a little bit of a godsend for fantasy purposes, <laughs> uh, partly because of just what the offense does, obviously, but also, the fact that they are just not interested in really playing defense. I mean, yeah, like you said, there's some big playability, but for the most part, it's, uh, they're, they're just going to try and, and track meet everybody. And, uh, I'm, it, it's, it makes things really interesting on both sides of the ball every time the Kansas City Chiefs play. So that's a great one. So let's go to the running back position. Give us one, John McLean. Uh, so,
4: um, I have uh, Darius Geis. Speaking of Darius Geis, who we were talking about before, I, I just think that everybody's worried about his injury. They gave him fourteen carries or twelve or fourteen carries in the preseason game and he looked great. Stiff arm people making the cuts, making the you know, making the shifts upfield. Uh he did everything he needed to do. I, I think if he gets in the game and starts finding a rhythm. Uh, they're gonna be, They're gonna give him the ball and say, "Hey, we got this guy. We're gonna find out what we got. Uh, you know, if he doesn't, if something happens, we got other players on the team that can carry the carry the mail." But I think Darius Geis is going to get probably you know f- 15, 17 carries week one, and I, I probably I just think they're gonna run the ball and let him let him have it, let him go. I, I don't think they're gonna be hold off. I think they're. I actually think AP might be one of the people that might get cut. Uh, this year, and he might be one of the fill-ins that, are, that you know, like we talked about before, um, to, to for Duke Johnson's early down back. If that happens, it's all serious, guys.
1: All right. How about a pass catcher from you, James?
2: Yeah, I, I held held my tongue when Brian said that he uh, he liked Nick Foles as a sneaky start week one, and I, I obviously like that too because my sneaky start is Chris Conley, and for me, look, I – the over-under in that game is is high. You know, it's it's over 50 right now. Um, so you, you expect points to be scored in that game. Um, the Chiefs are probably gonna score a good amount of points. So you figure that the um the the often conservative Jacksonville Jaguars are probably going to have to do some things to score some points. Chris Conway is the deep threat. He is the guy that uh, that Kansas City let go and they drafted Hardman and Hardman. It, you know, conway has gotta be like, man, they just drafted mccall hardman after letting me go after they barely used me man this has got to be a revenge game for chris Conley. all he needs is one play to make him fantasy worthy one big play and i think he gets it i think uh chris Conley's is going to be a sneaky start this is a guy who i could see uh you know making a few catches going over 100 yards and maybe scoring a touchdown um, being a really sneaky start and having a good game against an old team i like him too james
5: Wait, I have a special sneaky start that's not on the list. Sorry. Yes. No, uh, I'm, I'm jumping in here. I know I already did my injury piece, but I can't be silenced. Uh, I do have a wide receiver that I want to talk about real quick. And it's the wide receiver two for the Seahawks, who I believe are playing the only team that is worse than the Chiefs on defense. They're playing the Bengals. And I think Jerron Brown is a sneaky start this year, uh, especially in week one. Uh, DK Metcalf is not going to be back, uh, in time for this game. So Jerron Brown has been kind of been sprinkled in like very low key with the first team offense. I think Tyler Lockett is obviously going to eat. I don't think anyone is down on him this year. From what I know, Uh, I'm a huge stand for Tyler Lockett. So, but I think that Jerron Brown is going to have just enough upside as the wide receiver two for the Seahawks against the Bengals in week one that he is going to be someone that I'm going to be playing a lot in DFS. But also uh, if I, if I really need a spot start for somebody, uh, I think that I think Jerron Brown could be a, a really cheap option that probably didn't even get drafted. So I just wanted to throw that in there. I know that this is, this is your guys's show, but I, I like to jump <laughs> stuff. I like to jump in it's- every now and then I'm,
2: Hey, it's
1: I'm your, important it's, too.
5: Okay, I know it's <laughs> <some> fantasy stuff.
1: <laughs> it's it's your show too now, man. So yeah, that makes you, me feel so when, good. When you've got something to say, you jump in, um, especially if it's anything that's uh, that's gonna fire Stompy up. But um, you didn't get him there. So what about? Uh, I, I'm just curious though. What about David Moore? Um, it, that's that's a guy who throughout most of the off kind of sounded like he was trending towards being the wide receiver two for Seattle. Uh, I, I believe he's still dealing with an injury as well. Is that, is that right? Or is this just kind of, you just believe in Jerron Brown over David Moore anyways?
5: No, so so David Moore is probably also gonna miss this game. I did not mention him, uh, but yes, he is dealing with an injury. They're talking possibly an IR designation for him as well. So I really feel like jaron Brown is just gonna be the only guy left. War of attrition, uh in a team that really doesn't have a lot to say at tight end. Uh Will Disley could be another guy that's kind of a sneaky snart, as Brian likes to say. Uh <laughs>
1: that's what we're getting called now. I think that this Bengals
5: <laughs> defense is so bad you could see a big game the the reason I like I chose Brown specifically outside of the fact that he's really the only wide receiver that's left is he only needs one play to get away and get and score a long touchdown and then he he returns immediate value for you so I definitely could see him having a big game in week one um and of course you got you got to roster up Tyler Lockett right now because that dude is I, I, I'm really high on him so uh yes Jerron Brown David Moore is hurt DK Metcalf is hurt you got to go with the number two guy on an offense that's may not throw a ton but should probably throw enough in this game to to justify sneaking him into your lineup
4: I just drafted him in a uh my neighborhood league for that reason this this uh it's a redraft so I just drafted Geron Brown uh this last weekend for that exact reason that's a excellent pick right there by you
1: and anytime you want to sneak in a uh it, anytime you want to say anything nice about Will Disley, you're <laughs> more than more than welcome.
5: Hey, I'm I like Disley a lot coming out of college and I, I'm kind of bummed that he tore Patella, which is a pretty brutal injury for a guy to return from. But if Jimmy Graham can do it in Seattle, I believe that a younger uh Will Disley could do it as well. So hopefully we see some of him as uh in this, this year because I think he's a talented kid.
1: Love Will Disley. All right, so let's get back to the quarterback position, though, and get one from John McLinn.
4: Let's, okay, so I had Kirk Cousins this week, uh, or sorry, this, uh, yeah, that week one, anyway. I just figured he's in the same situation, just like you picked Nick Foles, who was a bad defense. I don't think Atlanta's defense is all it's cracked out to be. I don't think they're very good at all. Um, They're probably in the bottom, you know, five or six teams in the league, anyway. I think Kirk Cousins with all the weapons, I, I, I see him going over probably 20 to 25, probably 23 points uh, week one uh, with all the weapons on that team. That's that's my sneaky start ever. A lot of people are down on Kirk Cousins this year. I don't know why. I don't think he can win the big game, but he wins every game besides that. So that's that's who I think my sneaky start is for week one.
1: All right, back to the running back position. I've got Justice Hill, who I've been talking a lot about him lately. Uh, just kind of from a dynasty perspective in general. But I think he's got a chance here to get on the field and make an instant impact against the Miami Dolphins in week one. It's the, they were the fourth, they gave up the fourth most fantasy points to running backs in 2018. I don't think anything has necessarily changed there. And in fact, I think that the offense is in a very similar situation as far as Uh, providing Baltimore with a positive game script for the running game, which is uh, what Baltimore is going to lean heavily on across the board. The quarterback, uh, running back one, Mark Ingram, and then uh, the guy who's going to slowly work his way into a major role here with Justice Hill. You're,
4: that's a good pick. They are horrible. As being a Dolphins fan, unfortunately, I <laughs> suffered through this all last year. They have a great secondary. They have a great cornerbacks, good, uh, good safeties. The linebackers are, you know, questionable, and their defensive line is improved, but still bad. Um, they have the New England Patriots uh, defensive coordinator the head coach this year, which maybe changed a couple things. But you, you can't build Roman a day. It's going to take a couple years to get that defense where it wants to be. So this is a good, also a great pick.
1: All right, so give us a pass catcher, Johnny Mack. Uh,
4: I'm going Jared Cook. Uh, it's I, I think that everybody's going. to th- th- – Week one, uh, I know tight end is everybody's kind of you know stepchild, whatever you want to call it. But I think Jared Cook's going to catch a lot of balls. It's week. I, I don't think Derek Carr is, even though he's got a the numbers show that he's a great downfield thrower. I, I think that um, he's going to do a lot of check downs, a lot of the middle of the field stuff because I'm sure they're going to—they're not even though they're going to want to showcase Antonio Brown, they're going to want to. Uh, uh, I, I think that he's going to get probably about eight or nine passes to try and uh, uh, relieve some pressure in that
1: in that in that offense. So let's get a sneaky start quarterback from you, Stomp.
3: And I hate this a lot because Jimmy G may not keep his job this season with Nick Mullins there and how poorly he's played. I mean, how poorly he's played this, this preseason, but how mediocre he's really been with San Francisco. But Jimmy G has a very favorable, favorable schedule, the first two weeks of the season. Um, In fact, I believe strength of schedule based off of last season, he has the easiest first five weeks of the season. So he has Tampa Bay in week one, Tampa Bay gave up the, uh, sorry, the fifth most points to quarterbacks last season. Um, and they didn't get They did not get better. They do not have a good secondary. Uh, they don't have cornerbacks that anybody should be believing in that team. And this is why people like the should be liking this offense is they are going to have to throw early and often because they do not have a secondary to stop any team whatsoever. Um, so yeah i mean jimmy g could start off extremely hot because you have tampa bay in week one and then you have cincinnati in week two and cincinnati gave up the second most points to quarterbacks last season and again they don't have any cornerbacks either so uh they have great safeties no cornerbacks no linebackers so jimmy g might be one of those guys if you if you're streaming quarterbacks. Might be one of those guys that you can stream those first couple weeks and feel relatively confident that he could end up as a QB one in those first two weeks.
4: I like everything you said there. I 100 percent agree with that, and especially the Jimmy G maybe not making it through this season. That's uh, a lot of people are expecting him to come out and be the Jimmy G. that was the all star for a couple of weeks, but no, I agree. That's I, I agree 100 of what you said.
1: How about some players to avoid, guys? We're going to talk about uh, some players that generally are going to be in your starting lineups in week one. But if you have other options, uh, you would definitely want to consider benching these guys. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Can oh, we man, Can I, we hate, I hate some of these. Yeah, let, I, I want to start with James just because this is the only one that I just don't absolutely hate. Yeah, we'll start with you, James. Real right. fast,
4: I don't want to correct myself there. I I meant to say Michael Thomas, but then somehow um, Antonio Brown jumped in my mind. So sorry about the Jerry Cook confusion.
2: Yeah, yeah no, he he hot air ballooned right in your head. I'm sure that's that he doesn't <laughs> do that. Puff his chest out and uh, peacock around. But anyways, I, my my guy. Um, To my guy that I I would bench Week One, I would consider avoiding Week One at least is Devonta Freeman. And look, he's playing Minnesota. They're they're in Minnesota. Minnesota last year had the 13th ranked rush defense, so you would think that that might not be a bad start. However, they were number six. Uh, against the run at home. They're a much better rush defense at home. Um, While I think Atlanta can score points, I think Minnesota can too. I think Atlanta is going to make hay throwing the ball, putting the ball in the air. I think Calvin Ridley might be a sneaky start. Same thing with Austin Hooper. I just would stay away from Devonta Freeman. Again, um, in Minnesota, it's a tough matchup for him. They're very good at home against the run. Uh, While I think he might be able to make some some, uh, headway uh, catching the ball, I also wonder if Atlanta is just going to throw him into the fray or how much they're going to limit him. It's his first game back in a long while, so um, we'll we'll kind of see how his usage is too. I, I could see him being a little limited uh, week one as they maybe work him back a little slower from injury. So that's another concern for me. So for me, Devonta Freeman is a guy that I'd look to fade week one.
1: All right, Brian. <laughs> okay, I, I I'm supposed to let you talk here. I mean, I guess that was the uh, the deal uh, when we brought you in, but. I am really not super interested in hearing this one, but uh, let's let's do it anyways.
2: That makes one of us not interested. <laughs> Go ahead. Brian.
1: Let's hear it.
0: Okay, so my avoid for week one is Aaron Rodgers uh, oh, against the man. Chicago Bears. So for me, look, John, I'm with you on Aaron Rodgers more than I'm not with you on Aaron Rodgers, as far as just who okay. he is as a quarterback. You know, he, he. I, I do believe he's one of the greats that's ever played the game. You know, I do love watching him play. I do still think he has a few elite years left. Um. So overall, generally speaking, I'm with you on Aaron Rodgers. I'm not as, as with you on Aaron Rodgers in week one against the Chicago bears. For me, it has more to do with this bears defense, you know, What Chicago did last year on the defensive side of the football was extremely impressive. And I think a lot of people are expecting regression, and maybe rightfully so. I don't think they're going to see it week one. I think, you know, the loss... Look, anytime you lose a coordinator like Vic Fangio, you're going to... You know, there, yeah, there's changes to be made, obviously. Uh, And there's a new system to be put in place. And there's a new coach that you're hearing... You know, and and who's coaching the boys up. So, I mean, yeah, all of that is true. I just think the talent is still there. And Cleo Mack is, I mean, he is, he's, his trajectory is Hall of Fame caliber. I mean, this guy is a monster on the defensive side of the football and he changes games. And I think, you know, I, I, I just really think the Bears are going to be good on the defensive side of the football again this year. It's week one. So I don't think Aaron Rodgers will be as sharp. He hasn't played at all in the preseason. I don't think he will be quite as sharp as he normally is by two or three or four weeks into the season. Um, You know, it's Thursday night. You know, so I I just I don't know. I just I just have a, a feeling that this game for Aaron Rodgers, especially. If we're expecting him to produce top five to seven quarterback numbers, I think that's where you know we're used to seeing Aaron Rodgers come out and throw for three hundred and fifty yards and four touchdowns with zero picks. And I think this could be more of a two sixty five two touchdown game. Okay, if that, that kind of makes sense,
1: that's fair. That's fair. So I mean, the most likely scenario is you probably don't have a better option than Aaron Rodgers on roster unless you do the John Hogue thing and, and just load up on quarterbacks and you have, I mean, virtually the entire league to choose from. Uh, but in this case, in most cases, you're probably not going to have a better option. So I, I think that that stat line is probably a fair projection. Um, just, I mean, just based on what he did against that defense in the first game last year, uh, especially after he came back pissed off, after they injured his MCL. Um, let's get to, let's get one from you, John McGlynn. I'm going to stick in the
4: same game here. Uh, just, I don't think Aaron Jones is going to be bad this year. And I don't think the bears defense is going to be as good as they were last year, but the bears specialty is stopping the run and getting to the quarterback and just pin their ears back and just destroy offenses. Uh, their weakness is the secondary. If anything, um, so I think Aaron Jones is going to have a. T- even though he's the workhorse, he's the bell cow for that team. It's supposed to be what it's. We you know what. That's how it's. We're led to believe. But I don't think anybody's going to score in the first couple of weeks. Uh, you know, I, I'm thinking maybe 65 yards, 70 yards, probably that. And that's. I mean that that may be that may be a little gracious, but I don't think anybody's going to doing anything against the Bears defense the first couple of weeks of the season. They're they, they're ready to go.
1: You guys hate everyone that I love. You want to crown the Bears? You crown their ass. Uh, we got one more. Let's get one from Ethan here.
5: Yeah. So my guy, I'm avoiding in week one is is Lev Bell. He's going up.
1: The Jets are going
5: up against the Bills, who probably the most underrated defense in the NFL. Probably because the team is not very good. Uh, besides that, but I think people forget that the the one things that you could explore exposed the bills defense on last year was the rushing, but they went and added one of my favorite defensive tackles this off season. So I just feel like the team is the, a good defense just got even better. So I think that Lev Bell coming back first game back, I think we've already seen, they're kind of splitting up some carries with him with Ty Montgomery. I think we're, they're going to ease him back into this, even though, uh, even though we're drafting him to be a top 12 running back, I just don't know if week one is the week that he's going to he's gonna get that. Uh, I think the Bills, this is going to be an ugly game with him and the Jets. I think maybe we're looking at not a very high scoring game, probably 14-7 uh, is well within the, the realm of possibilities for this Bills-Jets game. So I just think that Lev Bell is probably going to be a poor investment week one. Um, unless he puts a ton of yards up in the passing game, which I still don't, I don't expect him to do, because I think they're going to mix Ty Montgomery in there as well.
4: It's going to take some time for him to mesh with that new offensive line. Uh, it's, it's not the same line, not even close to you know as good as that line was or the scheme. And Le'Veon Bell is a guy who stops a lot. He stops, waits for the hole. I don't think he's going to have that. He's going to have that kind of luxury of waiting around to find holes behind this offensive line. It, that this is another great pick because he's, it's gonna take he's gonna take a beating the first couple of weeks until he learns how to be Le'Veon Bell behind this offense or learn what it takes to get to to reinvent himself as a better running back that doesn't stop all the time behind that line.
5: Yeah, I just think that I just think that the Bills it's a tough matchup already. Uh, Ed Oliver was. I think three years ago, ready to be in the NFL. Uh, I remember him as a freshman and just going, holy crap, this dude is a freak. Uh, So running into Ed Oliver, new offensive line, like you said, his running style really is predicated on knowing exactly where his blockers are going to be at. So, is he going to have as much time as he had with the Steelers to be that shifty guy that just kind of waits for the play to develop in front of him? I just don't think he's going to have that much time against the Bills. Uh, with with also this team kind of looking to do more of an, a committee approach, I just don't expect this week to be the week that you go, oh yeah, Le'Veon Bell is back, baby. So uh, I'm, I'm avoiding him. Obviously, if you drafted him, you're going to have to start him just because you paid the price, but... I just would not expect a huge game from him uh, in week one.
1: Yeah, that Bill's defense might be one to avoid for the most part all season if you can do it. Uh, one last uh, segment here that we want to get to, um, and we call this one next week this week. So the idea here, and we, we actually, uh, I think this ended up being really helpful last season. So we're going to bring it back for this year. And uh, include this on all of our waiver wire shows, but the idea is these are players that you can pick up and stash off of waivers now for free, before they have that performance in Week One that shoots their uh, their their value in their their fab cost, their waiver claim cost up uh, significantly um, after Week One. So pick these guys up now and uh, get ready for the breakout in Week One. And let's start with James.
2: Yeah, so my guy here is, I I dug pretty deep. And look, the reason why I I picked the guy that I did, and I'm I'm just going to tell you, it's DeAndre Carter, wide receiver for the Houston Texans. Look, Houston's playing Monday night. They're playing against the New Orleans Saints. They're going to have to score. Kiki Kuti is likely going to miss the game, which means DeAndre, I, th- this guy's going to step right in, in my opinion, a- as the slot wide receiver. DeAndre Carter is that. He's he's the kick returner. He's one of those big play type guys. He's one of those guys that can get open with his quickness. Um, he can get open in the short to intermediate parts of the field. And he also has a deep speed to beat you deep. So I think he's going to do what Kiki Kuti can do. And I think he's going to have a big game week one. I, I think, like I said, Kiki Kuti and Will Fuller have have shown throughout their careers that they have a tough time staying healthy it's hard to rely on both of them to stay healthy let alone one of them um, so uh, you know if 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 I have DeAndre Carter I feel pretty good about myself because I think week one he's going to put up some numbers and I think then a lot of people are going to be looking to buy him and he's probably going to cost you a good amount of your fab at that point if he does blow up and have a big game um, like we know that uh, you know, Deshaun Watson likes to use those guys, those guys that are quick, that can get open. Um, if Cootie's not out there, DeAndre Carter might be that guy that he looks to and uh, goes to a little bit more often than we would expect. So this is a guy that I would pick up now. And if, if we are right, man, you're going to have a guy who you can move at a premium.
1: Love it. What do you got, John McGlynn? Uh, I got Rashard
4: Higgins from the Browns. Uh, that's Antonio Callaway suspended the first four games this season. So there was already a battle between Higgins and Calloway to begin with. Uh, I, I think Higgins is going to walk into that role and, uh, it, it, with OBJ and Landry, was obviously they're, they're going to be the one commanding all the double teams. If there are any double teams, those, uh, you have to double cover both those guys. They're both outstanding receivers, you know, and then you also have Njoku, uh, Chubb, it, this this team is littered. I mean, they're paper champions right now, that, from what everybody thinks, uh, you, you know. But there's a lot of talent on this team. Someone has to be the guy that's open. Uh, it's you can leave Njoku open. He's going to hurt you. You can't leave OBJ open, obviously. Uh, Jarvis Landry just he's a he's a he's a target. He's a target hawk, a target magnet. He's going to get a million targets this year. Uh, that leaves Rashard Higgins is a guy that they can't cover. Besides. somebody's got to be open and I think it's going to be Higgins. He's going to, he's going to be the guy that by week one, week two, he's going to have a name out there on the waiver wire. You're going to need to go out and get him, And it's going to be too much. You know, nobody's going to want to spend $20 a fab to get a, a receiver. That's only going to be for a couple weeks. So, Week one, I think Rashard Higgins. Week two, week three, he, he's going to get you some points. He's going to score you get tons of points for your fantasy team. So, it just uh, maybe not start him week one, but if you have a fill-in or a, a second flex position, I put him in there in a heartbeat.
1: Nice. What do you got, Brian?
0: Yeah, so mine is actually Chris Thompson uh, of the Redskins, and I believe he's owned right now. And on, I think if I remember correctly, you guys use Yahoo for the. Is that correct? Am I correct on that? We did last
2: year. Yeah. Okay. Yeah,
1: yeah. I think this year we're just gonna say any, any platform, um, but we're yeah, we're looking for twenty five percent or less ownership, and uh, yeah, I mean whatever platform.
0: Okay. So. Uh, so yeah, Chris. So Chris Thompson is mine. He's twelve percent owned on in Yahoo leagues um, currently. And and look, I, I think what Ethan said earlier, um, and, and and Chris Thompson is obviously obviously returning from injury as well. But I think what Ethan said earlier about Darius Geis and kind of working him back in, um, you know, is 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 going to be a part of that uh and with chris thompson you know it's kind of out of sight out of mind with him right i mean so he gets hurt in week 10 i believe last year um you know and but but when you look at what he did before he went down i mean he was i think running back 19 weeks one through eight as far as points per game um average so you know i i I think he's a guy that has a role in that offense, regardless of which one of the other two running backs is running the ball on first and second down. Um, Is he a guy that's going to have a bunch of 20 point weeks? No, I think that's probably past him at this point, but I do think he's a guy that, you know, he'll, if you're, especially if you're employing a kind of a zero running back strategy, uh, you know, I think he's a guy that can put up several points a game uh and 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 kind of give you something and i think the other thing is again we're talking about guys that whose value could increase i think right now he's an afterthought because darius geist is back um and and everybody knows that adrian peterson's there so uh you know if he has a decent couple games or, or first game um you know then he should see an uptick in in his value i probably wouldn't hang on to him long if i picked him up i'd probably try to flip him that's brand and talking as well but um but yeah i i just think chris thompson's a guy that uh, might be worth a a flyer uh on the, on your waiver wire right now
4: yeah he had 500 yards receiving and 300 yards rushing in three quarters of a season or a little bit more than half a season two years uh, 2017 he's a dangerous player if he could stay healthy he's another guy that has the injury bug but if he could stay healthy that's a that's an outstanding uh especially from week one where we don't know what's going to happen he's going to get all the catches out of the backfield uh, that's a great pick
1: all right how about a a waiver claim from you stomp our last one
3: uh marquis goodwin believe he's under five percent owned wow Uh, oh yeah at least uh, on espn um a lot of people seem to have forgotten how well he did in 2017 he had a a bad year last season. He had some off-field issues. I believe his sister died. I can't remember exactly, but then, and I don't remember what injuries he had, but he also dealt with injuries uh, throughout the season. And I think that's something you expect from a sprinter, right? He, uh, Ethan, uh, he's just a guy that's got those tight muscles because he is a sprinter.
5: Yeah. Sprinters tend to be wound pretty tight. It's just how their bodies are made up. So it's not surprising that he's been dealing with these kinds of injuries always compare it to like a rubber band. You know, if you, if you pull it tight, it snaps a lot harder. So, uh, that's, that's tends to be what you see more often with sprinters.
3: Um, so there you go. But I, I mean, in, in 20, uh, 17 and, and this will be dependent on if Jimmy G can actually keep that job this year. Um, Jimmy Garoppolo and Marquise Goodwin were a fantastic duo. I mean, uh, and I, I have to look here. targets um, In, in the eight games that they've played together, Marquise Goodwin averages 15 more yards a game. Uh, he averages almost two more targets a game. Obviously, um, over two more receptions a game, four PPR points a game. He was the wide. He is the wide receiver 16, I believe, in 2018 with Jimmy Garoppolo. And without him, he's the wide receiver 44. So you can kind of see the connection that they have. My, Marquise Goodwin was the wide receiver eight the last five games of the season in 2017. Um, obviously Jimmy Garoppolo was done after week three with the ACL last season. Uh, so, and, and Marquise Goodwin dealt with the injuries and off field stuff, but it seems that he is the only known starting wide receiver right now with Debo Samuel and Dante Pettis fighting it out for the, uh, other starting wide receiver. Um, so I, I mean, I I get Kittle is there, but Marquise, I don't think anybody else has the Marquise Goodwin skill set on that team. And can they recapture that magic? No idea. But for a flyer or a back end of your bench type guy that could have those upside weeks, like Marquise Goodwin can, I would absolutely be uh, taking him right now.
1: Beautiful. Well, With that, we are way over time, which is bound to happen when you bring together six of the seven co-hosts of the Superflex Super Show. That probably isn't going to happen very often. Um, Hopefully, we can make it happen throughout the season from time to time, Uh, but these are six of the seven voices that you're going to hear throughout the season. Again, five episodes a week, we've got plenty of opportunities to, uh, to help with superflex roster management setting lineups etc um we'll uh, we'll do trade shows we'll do waiver shows we'll do we'll, it, just about everything this this will be the one-stop shop for superflex roster management and construction throughout this 2019 season and beyond but with that we're going to wrap it up for the week and as we do ask you for a quick favor If you haven't already, subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also subscribe to the DLF Family of Podcasts feed and get access to all of the great podcasts from DLF. And once you're subscribed, if you give us a rating and review, not all podcatchers give you that option, but on the ones that do, those ratings and reviews help us to expand our reach, get out to a larger audience, involve more people in the conversation so we can really zero in on the topics that are the most useful to you, the listener. And in the vein of listener interaction, send us your trades on Twitter at SuperFlexShow. You can also send them to any one of us individually. And let's get those Twitter handles from each of you guys and get your voice on here one last time. Let's go around the horn. Start with you, Stompy.
3: I mean, you don't really need me to say it because John says it every week. But <laughs> I'm at Stompy.
2: James is at underscore James the brain. Brian is
5: at Brian Haar FF.
1: Ethan is
5: at E Turner FF underscore PT.
1: John McGlynn is JF 75. And Ryan Miller is at Ryan Miller NFL. And I'm at Superflex dude. Send us those trade polls. We can retweet them, help you get more votes and comments, and sometimes even bring them on the podcast and, and analyze them for you. Thank you to Heart and Soul Radio for the song The Addiction that we use as our intro and outro music. And above all else, thank you to each and every one of you for listening. Best of luck in week one. And until next week, stay sexy and super flexy.